Hi, and welcome to Old Enough for Fairy Tales. I'm Anna. And I'm Kirsten. And this week I had my heart torn apart because of Anna. You really did it this time, Anna. (laughs) Hey, it's only fair. A number of books you've recommended are super sad, so... So this isn't one of my recent reads, but I read Divine Rivals and I'm halfway through the sequel. And I it's been a while since I've read a book where I've felt like the visceral, raw, aching pain of the characters just mm-hmm. on such a real level. Like, yeah, whoa. So we've talked about Divine Rivals a few times, so I'm not going to repeat the premise or anything like that. But just for a quick snapshot of my reaction... Holy heck, ow, that was the most painful thing in the world. And that was so good. But it was so good. It's so tempered by the the beauty of hope and love. And like, so like it rips your heart out, but it also gives you so much hope that it's going to be okay in the end. And that's what I loved about it. It's like when I'm reading it, I want to keep reading it. But when I'm not Mm -hmm. reading it, I'm just like, oh, that hurt me so bad. And like, I really want to keep reading, but also like, I don't know if I have what it takes, but then when you're reading it, you're like fully invested and like, you're basically okay. It's mm-hmm. like a very unstable relationship that I have with these books. <laughs> Once you finish the book and you start reading Ruthless Vows and you see the cover of Ruthless Vows, it like hurts even more. Like to see, like, it just makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Like the cover, like the hardcover when you take the dust oh the under yeah the undercover it's like the whole situation is flipped flip-flopped it's crazy Uh anyway i'm not gonna say anymore and everyone should read it unless you like so good (laughs) unless you like happiness is that what you said (laughs) yeah so thanks a lot anna (laughs) i love happy endings and so i will say it has a happy ending at the end okay end. okay i don't want to know anymore la, la, that, la. but i had a, i asked a friend when i was reading it, i'm like this better freaking have a good ending and she goes it does so i had that hope and so i was able to finish it because if it didn't i i wouldn't have kept going yeah. so i needed i needed that reassurance that it was going to be okay so my actual first recent read that i'm going to talk about is me and earl and the dying girl by jesse andrews I have wanted to read this book for a long time because when I was in high school, I had this story idea about um, this girl who was a journalist and her sister who was blind and had like uh, retinoblastoma and she had cancer. And and I had this whole story idea and it was like this wintry, like cozy, but sad, like bittersweet kind of story. And, um, and so kind of in research for that I was reading more books about like friendships and you know sickness and things like that and this and I don't know if I actually read very many but this was one of the books that caught my eye and I put it on my list and obviously I never read it because that story that I was working on was years ago and I (laughs) it evolved into a lot of different stages and then it's been left hanging so Um, I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I finally read this book and I was so disappointed. (laughs) Oh, like writing bad or storyline bad? All of it. Oh. So, and okay. The one thing I appreciate about this book is that at the very beginning of the book, the author basically says, 
I'm a filmmaker. I don't make films anymore because I made a really, really bad film and my career basically ended. So now I'm writing a book about this thing that happened in my life. So it's supposed to be a like quote unquote true story. I don't know how much of it is true or not. So there's basically this big disclaimer of like, this is not going to be a feel good, happy ending, you know, or even satisfying sad ending. Like I shouldn't even be writing because I'm a filmmaker. I appreciated that disclaimer. And like, it was funny the way that he did it. So that was fine. And then the other thing that was good about the book was that it was very real. It didn't say because it's it's basically about Earl and or sorry, the main character and his best friend Earl and this girl that they know who has cancer and is dying. And it's about their friendship with her and how Earl and um, the main character make films together and like the whole process. They basically try to make a film for this girl and it like completely fails. And that's sad. It, it is sad. And I, and the premise, I mean, I basically read this book because it had been on my list for so long and I, it was like, okay, I'm just gonna read it. But I, okay, let me just say the one other good thing about it before I tear it to pieces. The, <laughs> the other good thing about it was that it was very real. It didn't like it, it had these parts that said like, at this point, you're probably hoping that I'll say like that, you know, when she died, I had this amazing self-discovery and I was so grateful that I met her and it changed my life. But none of that is true. Like it was hard and it sucked and none of it was romantic or, and there's no romance at all. And, um, and like, it was just horrible, but also like I was, I felt very selfish throughout the whole process. And I felt like, you know, like it was very honest. So I appreciated that, that it wasn't romanticizing, you know, this process of losing a person and it wasn't trying to make it more dramatic than it actually is. And that part I was fine with. I <laughs> did not like the main character. I did not like Earl. I didn't even like the dying girl. <laughs> oh no. And it wasn't because they seemed like, like they were very real people the way that they were written about didn't feel connecting. It didn't feel, I'm like, yes, I want a book to be raw and real and honest, but not to the point where I can't even picture someone in my head and connect to them. Like I didn't, I felt like the story was just on the page for no reason, like just because it could be, you know, it was like mm -hmm. so real that it lacked any purpose. So yeah, I just didn't really like it. And I didn't really agree with a lot of the conclusions this guy was coming to. And while I appreciated a few things about it, it was just poorly written and I didn't like listening to it. And, but I finished it. But you finished it. Good for you. I actually DNF'd a book last night. I got 27 pages into it and I'm like, I'm proud of you. I I'm intrigued, but I don't like some of the content in this book. So I'm not going to read it. So I'm proud of you. So I basically gave this book two stars because I did finish it so I could rate it, but disappointing. Like, I wouldn't even say, oh, this book just wasn't for me. It just wasn't. It just, uh. <laughs> it just wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, what you got for us, Anna? Another okay. Speaker? I am, I'm actually going to talk about a book that I read as an arc for one of my favorite authors, Tara Grace. It comes out in March and it's called Mountain of Dragons and Sacrifice. And it is book Ooh. one in a multi-author series about um, 
sacrifice brides basically like what girls who sacrifice themselves for the greater good of like their village or their people or whatever and so this one follows the character of nessa and she is chosen by her village to be the sacrifice maiden they sacrifice the maiden every year to the dragon on the mountain because when they do that they're olives they live in like a place that grows olives it um they 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 grow really well and they they thrive and so they it's become a tradition of sacrificing a maiden to the dragon and so she's terrified she doesn't want to do it but she has to do it because if she doesn't do it the the dragon will come in and destroy their village yeah so she ends up like up on the mountain ready to die for the dragon and she's she's so funny cuz she's so scared of being sacrificed but she's very like almost like detached from the situation and just very like, she's freaking out, but she's calm at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's my whole life. <laughs> and then the dragon comes, and instead of eating her, he releases her and takes her with him to his hidden cave in the mountains. Ooh, beauty on the beast. And kind of, kind of. And so he sets her down in her his her room, and he leaves. And then the story progresses of where he comes in every night and asks her to light the candle. And she's so, so like the whole, oh, I forgot this important part. The whole thing is they tell her like, don't look at the dragon. If you look at him, he's going to get angry and destroy the village. So she's like terrified to look at this dragon. Like he saved her. He didn't eat her, but she's very, very scared to look at him. She won't look at him. So every night he comes in and she thinks it's a trick that he's trying to trick her into looking at him so that he can kill her. So she's just like, I'm not going to do it. So then the next day she goes into the like explores the castle like she's terrified but she like goes out and explore i don't know she's funny and she sees all these weird creatures these like a like a naiad and a dryad and she's like what the heck is going on so she finds out from the dragon steward who's amazing anyways that she is in the fey realm and there's this barrier very close to the mountain that she's now in the fey realm that's basically what i was trying to say okay um and so then it's kind of like the whole storyline of her learning who she can trust in the Fey realm, discovering the dragon and who he actually is. And just, it's a very good story. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Okay, um, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> I right. also really just love like the stolen bride trope done well, because like it can be done creepy. Yeah. But these authors do it very well. I have the second arc to read this week, so I'm excited. Um, I gave it five stars and you can find my review on Goodreads, so nice yeah when does that come out march 8th wow that's okay that's soon mm -hmm. sweet so go grab a copy i probably will because even though i still need to finish tara grace's last series i'm sorry <laughs> Element alliance <laughs> i'm sorry i will say so i think i believe she said this is set in the same fey realm as her other fey oh, books okay. but i liked this one much better than some of her other fey stories like, I like all of her books. I love all of her writing. But this one was just, I liked it better. I also totally called the plot twist, which I was proud of myself for. Oh, nice. Good job. Okay, so my <laughs> next recent read was very, very popular years ago. Again, I keep reading these books that were super popular, like five years ago. But I do it on purpose because it's after the hype has down, died down. No one is talking about them anymore. But they're still books I really want to read. So... And I'm going to talk about one of those in the next episode, too. But I recently read Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. And 
This is you gave same- us a high rating. I saw it on Goodreads. Yeah, this is the same author who wrote Fangirl and Carry On and a bunch of other stuff. She has such a strange repertoire. So Eleanor and Park is about basically Park is this Asian boy who goes to high school in a town where he is basically the only Asian boy there. His mom is Asian and married his American dad. Um, and so their culture is very like um, has like a little bit of both of those cultures mixed in. And but he he has a really like loving family and he has a little brother. And Eleanor is she's like in the same grade. I think they're both 16. And she just recently moved back in with her mom because her stepdad basically kicked her out of the house for a year and her mom went along with it she had to live with this random family like the neighbor for a year and so they end up moving she moves back in and she has a bunch of little siblings and she's going through this really hard process because her stepdad is an absolute douche and he's a horrible person and I hate him so much I cannot even put it into words. And Eleanor also hates him so much. She cannot even put it into words. But her mom, she's obviously feels very protective of her mom, but she's also very detached from her mom now because her mom let all of this happen and her mom mm-hmm. let her get kicked out for a year. So she moves into Parkstown and the book starts out where we're on the school bus and Eleanor steps into the school bus. Immediately, she is judged because she is basically considered overweight by the rest of the kids at school. She has like just a, you know, like bigger body style. That is, you know, not a way to become super popular in high school, which sucks and is horrible. And but I also found it realistic. It wasn't like every single person was bullying her all the time. Like, that's not realistic. But mm-hmm. there there was cruelty and there was, you know, her becoming an outlier. And, and basically what happens is she steps onto the bus. She's the new girl. She wears really – she wears clothes that really make her stand out, like really strange things. And mm. there are no seats on the bus. And Park is on the bus and he's looking at her and he's like – I'm friends with the popular kids, even though I'm not really popular myself. I kind of say on the fringes, but like I've just been friends with these people for a while, even though I don't really like what they do. And he's look and he's like, if I let her sit next to me because he's an empty seat, then I'm going to be outcast. But then she's just standing there and the driver is yelling at her to sit down. And he's like, oh, my word, I can't believe I'm doing this. So he lets her sit down next to him. And obviously you kind of hate Park in that moment of like, you're like, Park, just be nice. (laughs) But they start sitting next to each other on the bus. And Park reads comics on the bus. She starts kind of looking at his comics and he notices that she's reading them. And then they slowly develop this relationship of they read these comics together on the bus. He starts to realize that she doesn't, I know, he starts to realize that she doesn't have access to stuff like this. And so he starts giving her her, his comics and being like, read them. And then she'll bring them back. They eventually start talking to each other. And this is like before this was, you know, before everyone in the world had iPhones. She doesn't have a phone, basically. 
and she doesn't really have access to a phone so they can really only talk at school and he starts it's very real because he's not like immediately everyone like leave her alone i'm defending her but he slowly develop develops this defensiveness of her because he's torn between like everyone i know has this tendency to like make fun of people who stand out and like i don't want to go against all my friends because i'll be considered you know an outlier then but yeah he really becomes like he cares for her so much that he can't help himself and he stands up for her and he falls in love with her and she's dealing with all of this stuff at home and it's very sweet and it's very defiant of traditional love stories because you know she is not conventionally what most YA books consider attractive and Mm -hmm. he he becomes so head over heels for her it's just so beautiful and he is also you know his own kind of outcast and it's just I love it it's it was very well done the ending was hard (laughs) but it was good it wasn't heartbreaking but it ends you on this kind of note of like you want resolution you don't really get it but you kind of get a hint of resolution it's sad but you also know that it's not necessarily the end of the story so you can kind of imagine what happens after that so yeah i give it four stars it was like a solid four star read for me my next read i'm gonna talk about two books in one because i read them like back to back and they're in the same series and I want to talk about both of them. So I'm just going to talk about both of them. So the they're two books from Courtney Walsh's Holidays with Heart series. So book one is called um, My Phony Valentine and we follow Poppy Hart who runs a restaurant in this town called Loveland um, oh. right outside of Chicago. And she's in line at the local coffee shop and of course her the town bully or Poppy's bully, whatever you want to call her, comes up to her right behind her in line and starts making fun of her for some thing that Poppy knows and she knows, but Poppy's not addressing it. So you don't, you don't, as the reader, don't know what, what it is, oh. but she's kind of bullying Poppy and talking about how Poppy doesn't have a boyfriend and how sad it is that she's not going to have anyone to go to the Valentine's Day dance with. And Poppy, in a minute of absolute insanity, grabs the arm of the guy in front of her line and says that he is her (laughs) boyfriend. And the bully's like, you realize that's Dallas Hart, right? And Poppy's like, I have no idea who that is. But apparently everyone else does because Dallas Hart is the star player for the Chicago Comets hockey team. Oh, my word. And Poppy's like, I have no idea who this is. But he plays along with it good for him and he saves her from the bully and she leaves and poppy's like wow thank you so much and then i don't remember exactly how it happens but dallas ends up they end up fake dating in the course of the story because he is the bad boy of the team he needs to like perfect his image and his manager's like this is the perfect way for you to do it is to actually (laughs) date this girl and it is the cutest story i loved it i loved it like it sounds so easy but when you read it like it it, like the way courtney writes it it just it works it's not cringe it's not cringe at all i i loved it and as someone who's writing hockey like a hockey book that's coming out in april i was just like i'm trying to read more hockey so i'm like if you like this book read this book type of thing and this one i loved it so then i got to read the next book in the series which follows poppy's sister eloise and eloise is currently jobless 
And so Dallas gets her a job working for the team as like a personal assistant for the new player who does not want to be on the Chicago Comets hockey team. Like he is an absolute grouch. He's a jerk to everyone. No one likes him. He's not playing well. And Dallas is basically like, good luck, Eloise, trying (laughs) to work with this guy. Um, But he's kind of like, if anyone can do it, you can, because she's like sunshine personified, right? And he's like the resident grump. And so in the course of the story, she's his personal assistant. She's trying to like break through his walls. He's an absolute jerk. He slowly starts to come around and kind of start to like Eloise. But he's like, I can't date her because she's a distraction. And it's so cute. And I loved it so much. And so if you like hockey books and you're looking for clean hockey books, Holidays with Heart was adorable. And I cannot wait for book three. The guy characters were just so, they're like hockey players, right? So they're tough and they're manly, but they also are super soft for the right people. And the girls were just amazing. I I loved it. I loved it. And I'm like on a little bit of a, like, I wouldn't even call these rom-coms. They're like contemporary romance. Okay. So there was like a little bit of humor. Like there were parts that made me laugh, but they weren't like slapstick crazy. Yeah. Like this would never happen type of situations. So yeah, that was the Holidays with Heart series by Courtney Walsh. And I cannot wait for book three. Cute. Wait, so are these out? Uh, book two releases March 16th. But the first one is out. Okay. But the first one is out. The second one is called My Lucky Farm and it takes place over St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So it's Valentine's, St. Patrick's. And I'm trying to figure out what holiday she's going to pick for book three. Labor I'm Day. thinking maybe Fourth of July. <laughs> well, Labor Day. Labor Day. <laughs> or Easter. Because I think we're, we're still playing hockey at Easter time. So it might be Easter. But those are my recent reads. So for today's conversation topic, I'm surprising Anna with a little um, quiz. We're taking this together. Oh, this dear. is a what type of reader are you quiz? And we're going to take it together and we're going to see what answers we get. And it's we're going to talk through all of the questions and it's going to be so much fun. Let me know. So says you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I got it. We'll see what kind of reader we are. And we will link the quiz that we're taking. There's a lot of quizzes like this, but we'll link this specific quiz in the show notes. And after you listen to this episode, take the quiz and tag us and let us know what type of reader you got. All right. Are you ready? All right. All right. Let's start. Which of the following types of reader best describes you? A, I'm a binge reader. I'll go through phases of reading a lot, then phases of not reading at all. I'm a constant reader. I always have something that I am reading, or I am an occasional occasional reader. I read from time to time, but don't have a real pattern. I think we're we're both B. (laughs) Oh, I'm A. Oh, really? No, I'll I'll read for like weeks and then i won't read for a week or two and then i'll read for a week oh yeah i may i definitely binge read often but i would definitely put myself in the constant reader category uh-uh. okay question number two is how much do you agree or disagree with the following statement i like to stay up to date on the latest books what do you think i would say probably b more so now than I have been in the past, I somewhat agree. I've been reading more popular books, but I'm very, and like, I know what is popular, but I haven't necessarily read it, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. I know like Fourth Wing is super popular. I will never read that book, but 
I know it's popular. I know what A Court of Throne and Roses is. I've never right. read it, never going to read it. But I don't necessarily know what's trending or what new is coming that's super popular, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I don't care that much, but I do know just because a lot of the people that I follow are more mainstream because I like, you know, what they talk about and stuff like that, but they read a lot of popular books. So I just happen. Yeah. To know. So I think I would say some would agree as well. How much do you agree or disagree with the following statement? I like to read books before anyone else does. I would say someone agree because if everyone's reading it, I don't want to read it anymore. But do you feel like you want to read it before that happens? No. I think well, I'm I don't know. Say neutral on this one. Yeah, I don't really know. I think it depends on the book, too. Yeah. How much do you agree or disagree with the following statement? I like to read books about cultures and experiences different than my own. Strongly agree. I don't really care either way. It's more if the book <laughs> sounds interesting. If there's a diverse <laughs> cast of characters, that's great. If not... That's okay, too. I So I guess some would agree, I guess. Well, you know, this is good because we're seeing where our tastes overlap and <laughs> diverge. And that's a good thing. I have on my shelf to read What the River Knows, which is supposed to be set in Egypt. So I'm excited to read that one because I've heard I've heard mixed things on that one. So we'll see. Okay. How many books have you read or listened to during your free time in the past 12 months? Gosh, 12 months. It's um, like almost 100, I think. I would say, okay, 12 months, probably about... I'm looking at my Goodreads. Hold on. I'm looking at my Goodreads from last year. I think mine It was, was 79 seven. books. So I'll say 85. Well, Dang. I'll say 190 because that would be more accurate for the past 12 months. Gosh, you've read almost double... You've read over double what I have. <laughs> this is so unusual for me. I've never read closer to 200 books than 100 I, in a year. I also think I'm not counting my audiobooks on this because there either were re-listens that it doesn't happened. matter okay then i'll do 100 <laughs> in the past 12 months how did you spend how much oh, did gosh, you gosh i don't want to know <laughs> Same. it's uh, over 200 options, at least the at options least. are less than 10 dollars oh, lol gosh. Ten dollars to 49 dollars 50 dollars to 200 dollars or over 200 dollars um is less than 10 someone who just pays for like KU and only reads KU books? <laughs> like, honestly, like, I don't if, know how you spend, spend less. If I spent less than $10 a book, I wouldn't be taking this quiz. Uh-uh. Or less than $10 for books a year. Although I guess some people are just like, they just get books from the library. So that would be fair. Yeah. I feel like $200 is probably accurate. Yeah. I, I know it is. But guess what I, I don't buy? Clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I go to thrift stores for clothes. <laughs> yes. You have a bookish personality. You love yep. to read and... Okay, I'm going to read the description. You love to read and make it a priority every day. When it comes to genres, you're more, you're much more likely to pick up a fiction read that will transport you and keep you on the edge of your seat. You read to be entertained, and as long as you can connect with characters and stories, you're hooked. It doesn't matter if the book is new or old. That was fun. I love their little graphics. The fact that the bag on this graphic says I have no self-control. Shelf control. And that's the little pin I'm wearing today, too. It says I have oh, no self-control. There's also 
the library pillow and then the just one more chapter poster that's so cute what is the mug called? says my weekend is all booked oh i have a shirt that says that <laughs> that was clever clever quiz well we'll link it in the show notes and anna you can have complete control over what we talk about in the next episode okay well oh, that's that was fun we learned that we're both bookish which we already knew but we already knew that we also got to feel bad about ourselves for how much money we spend on books so <laughs> moving on to our book recs for today let's do it so i cannot believe i have not talked about this book before this series so i read this three years ago now wow three years ago i discovered it on because i had gotten my kindle for christmas and i discovered these books on kindle i remember and i binged read them in like a week they I were remember. so good she was so excited about them and i remember when and then i found, found out then i found out that the author it's a pen name for another series that i absolutely love oh, so it was just 20. really funny but this is the blades of Actar by trisha mingrink i think is how you say her last name um it is a fantasy land with the same like christianity like we have and so it's i would compare it to when you found me that where it's a fantasy land but they they have the same bible and god that we have and so book one follows the story of leith torin he is a blade for the keen respin's army and a blade is basically like the king's private assassins they they know how to throw knives. They know how to kill very well. Um, they're bad guys. And he is in this village. And one of his other blades uh, kidnaps a girl. And so the villagers are like after them. And he gets shot. And there's a blizzard going on. And he ends up at the door of these two girls named Renna and Brandy. And through the course of the story, you find out that Renna and Brandy, they're in line for the throne. The royal family's dead. Respin's taken over. They could threaten the current ruler. And so Leith has to choose, do I protect these girls who risked their lives for me? Like, they knew who I I was. They are having these secret, like, church services because the kings outlawed Christianity. And they're like, they know I'm here and they're still doing all this. They have a a greater bravery than I have as the king's blade Mm. versus... yeah. And they're just like these innocent girls. So he has to choose if he's going to protect Renna and Brandy or if he is going to betray them. And it is such a good series. I love it so much. I don't know why, but you've recommended this series to me a lot. I actually think I have it on my Kindle, but I don't think I have ever read or heard what it's about. Oh, really? <laughs> that does not the I love it because... So you end up meeting a character, and this is, I have a character named Shadrach because of the series. Um, His name's Shad, and he's friends with Renna and Brandy, and when, I don't remember what happens, but they end up having to go to Shad's, like, family's house, and Leith meets Shad, and Shad doesn't quite trust Leith right away, obviously, because he, like, wants to help, and then he's, like, kind of, like, back and forth on what he believes, and so Shad's, like, sharing, like, the gospel with him, and he, they end up becoming really good friends in the course of the series. And I oh. love Shadrach Alistair so freaking much. That's He's sweet. so funny. And so, yeah, it's kind of like Leith's 
belief coming to know Jesus and putting his faith in something greater than himself and then fighting back against the tyranny of the evil king. And it's so good. And there's five books in the series and a like novella that is kind of technically, I guess, a prequel novella, but you got to read it after you read the first three or it doesn't make any sense. So that is The Blades of Actar. The book one is called Dare and it's very good. Well, I'm going on a trip soon. So I'll be taking With your Kindle? Kindle and reading it on the plane. So maybe I can read this in April. And considering yeah. she wrote these. So so Trisha Mingerink is Tara Grace's actual name. What? Yeah. Uh, Tara Grace is her. Um, and she's open about this. It's her um, general fiction. Ever, it's her ever. general fiction pen name. Trisha Mingerink, she writes her. This is like a technically like a Christian fiction book. But considering she wrote. This is the first thing she published. It is phenomenal like it it holds up to like the elven alliance series what do you what is the face for by tara grace i have had mm-hmm. this on my list for so long I and dude it is it is so funny because i had read the first three elven because there were only three out when i started reading the elven alliance books and then i saw this one and it had a similar co- <laughs> similar cover to the old fierce heart covers yeah. <laughs> and i was like well, if this was good, I'll try this. And then someone was like, you realize that's Tara Grace. And I was like, that explains why I devoured it. Because it's it's similar voice, I guess. Yeah. But it no magic, no it's it's more it's almost like a western land in style of dress and whatever, but with kings and kingdoms and, okay, and yeah. lords and I like that, that type of thing. It's so good. Okay. And the horses wow. are great. That was crazy. <laughs> I definitely, I want to make sure this is on my Kindle and read it on my trip. And if it's not on my Kindle, I'll just have to get a physical copy. I want to get the rest of these in the, the special hardcover. Because I got this, I only own them on my Kindle cool. and I got this one for Christmas and now I want the whole set. I'm very excited to talk about my recommended read because I really like this book. This book is called The Beast Player by Nahoko Uahashi. I actually have a physical copy I can hold up here. Look how pretty the cover is. It's so pretty. Follow the link if you're listening to this and not driving. It's got a similar vibe to Tress of the Emerald Sea, cover-wise. Yes. Look at the inside. Isn't it gorgeous? Like serpents. Everything about this physical book makes me so happy. Like, look at the cover. Oh, it's so green. That is a pretty green. Absolutely stunning. I love this book. The Beast Player is, it's a fantasy, but the only fantasy element that it's really focused on is the creatures. So it's not like all about magical people and magical lands. It's like about these magical creatures. So basically it's about the main character whose name is Elin or Ellen. I don't know how to say her name. Her mom is basically one of the caretakers of the Tota. And the Tota are like the sea, the magical sea creatures. So like they're like these beautiful, magnificent, think like water serpents, like cool, but scary, kind of like if a dragon were in the water, like kind of Loch Ness monster, but like bigger and scarier. And they are vicious to people. Like they're beautiful, wonderful creatures, but they're very, very dangerous. And so they basically are controlled 
Um, so they are like live in settlements and then there's like wild ones. And when the humans take care of them, they use these whistles. And when they blow the whistles, the creatures are basically paralyzed. They can't move. And so that's how they take care of them. And so Elon's mom is in charge of taking care of like the eggs and like the babies. And one day all of they find all of the eggs dead. And Elin's mother is not at fault at all, but obviously she is blamed. And she, Elin's mother is trying to figure out how this happened. And um, Elin is only like 10 years old. This isn't really a spoiler, but Elin's mother is sentenced to death. And through a matter of circumstances, Elin basically is sent downriver quite disastrously on top of a tota. And you'll have to read it to find out how that happens. But she ends up stranded. She is washed ashore. And this sweet older man finds her and takes her into his home and helps her Aww. get better. And he is a beekeeper. It's the most wholesome thing. If you like Studio Ghibli or Ghibli, however you say it, this book is for you. This book is literally a Studio Ghibli film in a book. I have never read a book except for the books that are literally have been made into this. <laughs> Other than that, I've never read a book that is so much like a film. It it even the cover even looks like a Studio Ghibli. Yes, like it is film. So Studio Ghibli. It's not even funny. Like he takes her in. He's a beekeeper. He teaches her how to take care of the bees. She grows up in his house, and he like is teaching her and taking care of her. And she is just so curious and sweet, and like wants to learn everything. And she doesn't tell him about what happened in her past until like a long time has passed and then eventually she goes to this school where she learns to take care of the magical creatures that are like on land they're like big wolfish um i kind of think of them as like wolfish like really cool looking mammoth type creatures that can fly but they're enormous and they're also very dangerous and they have to be controlled with whistles basically there's a baby of you know these creatures and it is given as a gift to the royal and you get snippets of the royal kingdom throughout and you get like alternate perspectives once in a while to learn about some other characters and um this baby is injured in an assassination attempt which fails and the baby gets sent to this sanctuary where elin is going to school and elin basically requests like no one can take care of it it is like not eating, it's like hurting itself, it's not responding to anything. And Elin basically asks, like, let me try. And she devotes herself to this. And she refuses to use the whistle. She refuses to feed it this kind of food that, you know, helps keep it under control. She forms a super strong bond with this creature. And um, she basically learns throughout the book all of the history that has been hidden away about these creatures and why they're kept under control and why they are um, tamed, like the purpose of that, instead of let letting them just be wild and mind themselves. And she is learning about the danger of them and also the power of her closeness with them. And she interacts with like the royalty and like, you know, things become much more like things escalate so that the plot is on a wider scale and there's higher stakes. There's very high stakes. There is adventure and there is excitement in this book. It's not just, you know, slice of life, but there is some slice of life in there. And there's a lot of emotional strain, but it's not hard to read. It is just pure and sweet. And there's amazing characters. And I highly recommend this book. It is so well done. It's beautiful. It's translated from Japanese and the translation is very well done. Like I've read 
some different translations of Japanese. And this is probably the best Japanese translation I've ever read. Like it's very concise and it flows well and it doesn't feel like it was translated necessarily. So very well done. Highly recommend. That was The Beast Player by Nohoko Uehashi. Thank you for listening to Old Enough for Fairy Tales. I'm Anna and you can find me at Anna underscore Augustine underscore author on Instagram. And you can find me, Kirsten, at bookishly underscore aesthetic on Instagram. And you can find our podcast account at Old Enough for Fairy Tales podcast on Instagram. (laughs) 